Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Hello and welcome to the program, Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and today we have a whale of a time for this show. We are going to be swimming into a wonderful show. We're talking about Finding Dory, the cat in the hat. Oh, say, what's the weather out there? What's the weather today? And the rest of it's going to be Finding Dory. Right now, I'm with Brandon, who's 18 from Miami, Florida. Well, Brandon, I got to say, this movie was a pleasant surprise. But before we get into it, I got to ask Pixar short in the beginning of the film, Sandpiper. Let's talk quickly about that short. Don't really remember much about the short, sorry, but no. I know um, as far as shorts go for, for Pixar's, they're always uh, very entertaining. I don't really remember as much for this one. Oh, I'm sorry, and that's a shame because oh, I love the Sandpiper short. That's That was amazing, one of the one of Pixar's best shorts because it was beautifully done. Alrighty, then the, let's just get into the film then. This film is the sequel to, of course, the classic Finding Nemo, and uh, I'm I'm guessing you've seen Finding Nemo, haven't you? Have you? Uh, yeah, I, I saw it. I think I saw it when it was originally released, or maybe like a year or two after. But yeah, I remember it being like one of the first uh, true, well, one of the really more renowned films from Pixar, as far as like when you think of Pixar, you think Toy Story, and then Finding Nemo is always in the discussion. So it was interesting to hear that they made a sequel to that film, especially what, 10-something years after it was made. Fantastic. Well, I remember I used to see the film. I, I remember I, I grew up watching Finding Nemo all the time, and when I heard there was going to be a sequel, a sequel to, um, called Finding Dory, I'm thinking, I was a little bit skeptical because I, Finding Nemo is one of my favorite Pixar films, and I just didn't want a sequel to ruin it. I don't like sequels a lot, except for the Toy Story sequels, which are amazing. But to be honest, this film by itself is a pretty good sequel so uh, what did you think about it i thought it was i thought it was very entertaining like i said in my review i think it was missing something because toy story finding nemo i mean the incredibles in, uh, included they all had their kind of thing to them that you watch the movie and and you go well they portrayed this message or something like that it felt like finding dory was kind of piggybacking off Finding Nemo. That's why um, I ultimately gave it a 4 out of 5. But in the end, it was an extremely entertaining film. I uh, loved the comedy throughout the entirety of the film. It was a good, you know, kind of family fun experience. That's that's all I have to say. Well, you mentioned the comedy in this film, and I feel like the, the comedy in Finding Dory was especially funny. I found myself laughing a lot more with Finding Dory than I did in the, in, than the first one. But I will agree with you that the critics are loving this film. They are take their acclaiming it for this amazing film. And I don't blame them, but I liked the film, but I didn't love the film because I felt like the emotional moments were much stronger in Finding Nemo than they were in this film. There were some very good dramatic moments for Dory, but they just didn't hit as hard it felt as a bit did slapped in, in didn't it i don't think the word slapped in i think the word is they were just i don't know i feel like i agree with you were missing something that made it not as like teary-eyed as it was in the first film 
It may have just but, been the writing. It may have been the actors' yeah. performances. Yeah, it just felt something was off, you know? Well, the thing is, this film did something different because in the beginning, you think it's going to be, oh, it's fighting Nemo again. They're going to explore the ocean. And even the beginning is a little bit slow with it being there's a chase scene in the beginning. It's just like, ah, oh, we've seen this before. But they take a turn when they go into the aquarium which you would think would be, like, limited. But it's actually, there was some funny way of looking at it because we get to see the fish's point of view from an aquarium. And it makes me never want to go in an aquarium again because we torture these fish. so funny. Um, but I have to say that I think one of the problems that I found is that I felt like that a lot of the jokes were, not the jokes, I have a nostalgic connection with Finding Nemo. And a lot of the, and a lot of, the material in this is referencing back to the first film. We have a crush cameo. We have the seagulls again. And, of course, we have an array of colorful characters from the original film that we see in this film. Did you feel like that this film was fueled on the fan bases of Fight Nemo? Or do you feel like that it was good? It was an independent... It, it could be a good film as it, on its own. A little bit of both, because at the beginning is when they kind of throw uh, the old characters in, the turtle, uh, the stingray, and those guys... But then, towards, uh, but then towards the middle, towards the end, they really built on the new characters that they presented in the film. So I think they did a good job with that aspect as far as kind of saying, okay, we respect Finding Nemo, but we have to build a new, we have to build a movie. So we'll respect those characters, but then also build on all the other characters that we have. I would agree. And I have to say that when your main character has short-term memory loss, you're going to think that it's going to get really old really fast. However, quite the opposite happens, and you really see the moral of this film is very strong, but I'll get to that later. Let's talk about Ellen DeGeneres as Dory, and we'll talk about Albert Brooks, the voice actress. I mean, I see Dory. I don't know about you, but I don't see Ellen DeGeneres. This is just a perfect com combination of a character and a voice actor just making this beautiful character. So what did you think about Dory? as our protagonist now. Oh, no, I think uh, Dory is... Um, because, like you said, that uh, you'd think it would get old, but no, they they poke fun at it. Uh, they, they, do, they have a great job as far as writing a story for it, and then having Ellen DeGeneres as the voice for Dory is perfect. She's... She's extremely funny. She's extremely um, funny as a stand-up comedian, as a host, and it just translates beautifully as far as voice acting, especially for Dory, because you could poke fun at a bunch of the other characters and their and their uh, characteristics. She pokes fun at herself. It's great writing in that aspect for the comedy, and it's great uh, that they were able to kind of create this dynamic for Dory and create this story for her because it's difficult to take a character that was a supporting character in in Finding Nemo and make this whole story about her. I think they did a good job with that. And I would agree. That's That was one of my concerns with this film. And they they, they surprised me. Again, Disney surprises me. I don't know why, but Disney just does not do good with making trailers. Because first of all, Zoo um, Good Dinosaur was not a good trailer, and I didn't want to go see it, and I saw it, and it's one of the most beautiful films I've ever seen. Zootopia, 
it looked, I, di- I didn't think it was going to be funny. I thought it was just going to be a cutesy film. It ends up being one of the most, it's the best morals and the best comedy. And then we have Finding Dory, again, a surprisingly good sequel by Disney. They need to get better people to create their trailers. I'm sorry. We're, we're making it happen because they're just not, com- they're not compelling. I think they need to get the guy with the really deep voice to make it, like, action-y. So it's, like, in a world where there's ocean and, like, they show dramatic shots of, like, the ocean and stuff like that. They make it really dramatic. And it's, like, finding Dory. I think that's what they need to do. Sure, we can do that. We can go that way. We can go (laughs) Independence Day kind of route. Yeah. Uh, But um, I have to say the, the animation in this is gorgeous. So um, let's talk about that, especially since... The first film was a defining, I believe, landmark in animation. Now we have, we've gone such a long way. How did you feel like the the animation translated to today's standards? It translated perfectly, especially because the original Finding Nemo was was great. Uh, And like you said, beautiful animation. Uh, The colors were rich. Uh, The character movement was, uh, was fluent. I think that... They did a great job in transitioning into HD because it's tough uh, with with animation already. And then to translate that kind of animation into HD and still make it look uh, like it did in the original film, they did a good job with they get they get a great job uh, with that. I would agree. I mean, I remember when I saw the whale uh, in the first film, and I was blown away by how gigantic. It was, and they. I remember. I don't know if this. I believe if, I, if my facts are correct, they had to take a whole different computer system just to create that whale. That's how gigantic the terabytes. I'm trying to sound techy here, but yeah, I think terabytes. I, yeah. Terabytes. It took so many terabytes to create that that one piece of animation, and nowadays it's just SD card. Boom. <laughs> there was there was like two whales in the beginning of the film, and I was thinking like, yeah, that probably just took one computer. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, what would you think about the new characters in this film? Because Disney's great with their characters, and they're great with creating colorful characters. And in here, we have some great new ones. Um, what did you think about the new additions? Well, uh, Hank, played by Ed O'Neill, was kind of was an interesting character because at the beginning, he's very rough. You, you don't think if he's the you think he's the antagonist, but then you see protagonist kind of qualities. It the uh, Hank, they kind of created these, um, I don't know the word, uh, real-life characters that you don't really know what their agendas are and stuff like that, but then you also have a host of colorful characters that kind of add to the comedy of it. Ty Burrell uh, from uh, Martin Family, uh, he plays Bailey, again, great addition, and then uh, Fluke, one of the um, one of the walruses, I believe, he's played by uh, Idris Elba, I think that also uh, adds to the film because they got a host of kind of great supporting uh, characters uh, played by great actors. I think that helps the film um, as far as you know acting and, st- and stuff like that. So, yeah, it was um, interesting supporting actors. Yeah. yeah, but that also brings up a good point that that um, Disney's so good at is that there's no anta- there's no antagonist. And that's, you don't need, an, you don't always need an antagonist. And that's not easy to do. That is a very hard thing to do to create a film with no antagonist. It's the antagonist is Dory's disability. Now, how many stars would you give this film? Oh, you said four, sorry, you already said that. What would you say the egg recommendation is for this film? 
It really is a family family film. Uh, the jokes uh, and the great comedy is for the older crowd, and then the story itself and the message is for the younger crowd. I think it's as simple as that because they did a great job as far as creating that family classic kind of dynamic. Maybe they were missing that it factor that creates a great film, but they made an enjoyable experience for all. I don't think you can ask for much, especially out of a sequel. I would agree. Thank you so much, Brandon, for talking about Fine Doy. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. This film is in theaters now, so please go check it out. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Keeper Blakesley, and let's take a break. This show is sponsored by Flight of the Butterflies from Shout Factory. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Brianna Hope and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We are talking about Finding Dory and the Cat in the Hat. Oh, say, what's the weather today? So right now you're speaking with the beautiful 12-year-old Mia from Colorado about Cat in the Hat. Oh, say, what's the weather today? So... What did you think about this film? I definitely believe that it is a kid's show, but I also thought it was upbeat and really full of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And when you say full of knowledge, did you learn anything that you honestly did not know beforehand? It's more stuff like that you would teach younger kids, like the colors of the rainbow. But I did learn that hippos produce like their own type of sunscreen. Oh, cool. <laughs> See, in, in the future, I think that like, if we had to create sunscreen from, like, a ultra-different type of material, I think that we would have whatever you just said, um, their sweat, and we could bathe in it, and then it would be sunscreen. I think that would really work out. Um, so, this is a TV series, so how long do you, I mean, how? what do you think about the lengths of each, of each um, episode? Well, they're all pretty short but we kind of watched them all in the row like a lot of them in a row so yeah. it was a little repetitive over and over mm-hmm. so but do you oh go ahead they're they're just 
there are good lengths for like little kids. Mm-hmm. And how many are in a TV series? Like the one you watched, how many episodes were there? I think we watched like eight or something like around eight. And I think there's around 10 or 12. I'm not positive, but there's a pretty good decent amount of them. Okay, that's good. So I, I just asked that so that because you said it was a little little bit repetitive. Um, so do you advise just watching one a day or one a week? Or do you think that they could watch two or three a day? Or how, how many episodes do you think that they could watch without getting bored or repetitive? Kids could probably watch, depending on the age, a little more. But if you're like a parent or an older child, it just might be like, oh, well, they said that two episodes ago. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, what you said before, little kids are like, yay, I learned again, and, and but yeah. you obviously know it's like, okay, you just said that. Oh, there you go, you just said it again. But, yeah. you know, and I think that repetitiveness really helps with them learning about it, because we already know it, so it's like, okay, well, but <laughs> yeah. if if they're learning it, and the repetitiveness is helping them, then, then you know, by all means, get repetitive. I mean, I won't be, <laughs> I mean, I won't be, um. I won't be happy, but I'm glad that, you know, my little child, niece, or cousin is happy. So how do you think kids will react to this? Because you learn different things every every episode, I believe. So do you think that you have to be interested in that topic to enjoy enjoy this episode, or like each episode? Well, I think younger kids would pretty much enjoy all of them, unless I guess they didn't like what goes on quote-unquote wrong Mm -hmm. but otherwise they make it fun and enjoyable for little kids like they have songs on like how to learn the colors of the rainbow and happy moments (laughs) happy moments (laughs) and and it sounds like it because the cat in the hat of course the the original original story about the cat in the hat you know their parents are away and and everything goes wrong and and then she comes back and it's it's fine but do you think so it's kind of like a story type thing or is it just like you're gonna learn about the colors and you're gonna like it so the cat they have a problem like it's too hot out and they don't know what to do and then the cat comes and then my mom said that this might just like maybe tick off some of the parents because the cat always says, your mom won't care that you come with me. And she yeah. doesn't because she doesn't believe them, I think. But it just might be a little strange that way. No, yeah, I definitely I definitely understand where you're coming from. Because if, if they keep hearing that over and over again, and if, if their parents are not in the room, if their parents don't reinforce, like, no, you need to understand that that I would care and that you shouldn't be doing something that you shouldn't be doing it. Like if that isn't reinforced after the show, then I think that would become a small little problem because yeah. yeah cause it's like older, it's like, well, you know, the show, because we learn a lot from shows. We learned so much from TV shows and, and movies and, and books and magazines. We learned so much and, and some of it's good and, but some of it on the flip side is bad. So I think, Thank you for saying that. I And now that I remember it in the original Cat in the Hat, he was like, no, it's fine. It's okay. It's fine. You know, it's. I'm like, no, it's not fine. It's not okay. You shouldn't be saying that to young children. Yeah. Um, how many stars do you give this series? Well, on the, on the younger side, I would rate it a five out of five stars because they do make it interesting. They do make it fun and happy, and there's a lot of good stuff to learn in there. But it can, if you're an adult, a little repetitive. 
Mm-hmm. And what about the animation? The animation is, well, in my opinion, it's not bad, but it's not great because they're just working on these episodes and you want to make it, like, cute and stuff. So, okay, so backing up a little bit, um, to the cat in the hat that that I've seen beforehand, is it, like, the animation of that? Like, they're trying to replicate the animation that they used always in the cat in the hat? Or is it just different but just not that good or not that bad? Well, they do have i think they do try to replicate it a little bit because it does look pretty much the same i think they just maybe smoothed out some of the colors and animation details Mm -hmm. so it's a little different more new i guess you would say more like the animation is newer yeah yeah and do you think that when when kids watch this, that they will be that they will be interested in seeing the rest of the cat in the hat, like different cat in the hat things. Yeah, I do. I do think it would. They would want to, cause, and I mean, again, for little kids, it this is a pretty good show because it's fun again, and it it would make the kid smarter and happier. <laughs> smarter and happier. I think yes, yeah, smarter the, and happier. <laughs> I think that's the basis of life. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we are talking about Finding Dory and the Cat in the Hat. Oh, say, what's the weather today? So right now, let's continue speaking with Mia about the Cat in the Hat. Oh, say, what's the weather today? So on to the um, actual characters. Who was your favorite character and why? Okay, my favorite character wasn't that big, but my favorite character was the fish in the bowl. I really liked that character because he's really funny. He always sits in the thingamajig and he just comments on whatever they're saying. He does some like fun facts at the end of the episodes, but he, re- my opinion, contributes to hit the sense of humor to the show. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of sense of humor, I know that the humor in younger TV shows in TV shows for younger audiences aren't as funny. I, I mean, to, because I can't place it with simple, can't place it with better words, isn't as funny to older audiences because it's like very dumbed down and it's very simple for the yeah. minds of. So, did you find that in this in this um, series? Well, yeah, kind of. I didn't really notice, as in another movie, when they would actually say like word for word, "haha, this is funny." It was more like he said something and laughed at it. Oh, oh, okay, got you, got you. So it was more like a a funny moment for them. And yeah. you're kind of seeing the funny moment. And okay, got you, got you. Yeah. Um. So the age range, to put a, not a cap on it, but do you, you know, how, what specific age range do you give this film so that people know, oh, well, I'm too old or too young for this? Well, I would say like three to seven, unless you really, really, really love Cat in the Hat. I don't know. And if you can make up your own character that would kind of be inserted into the series, with it's like you didn't have to introduce them; they were just kind of inserted. What what character you know would you make, and and what would they contribute to this series? Ooh, I would be. I'd probably be a dog. Okay, got you. And cat, I'd be a dog for the cat. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's but funny. I'd, I'd be the kind dog that would be with them, and it would be like cats are dogs' friends. Interesting. I see. Kind. Of, I was thinking the other way that like every time you know he sees you, then he would like run away, and it'd be funny. I would laugh. Ha ha ha! 
<laughs> so um, with the title, Oh Say, What's the Weather Today? How does that fit in? Because I'm, I'm, because of course it's, you're learning things, but why is it, or why do you think that it says, Oh Say, What's the Weather Today? Does it teach you about the weather or? Well, it does have a lot of weather episodes as in why the rain, what happens to the rain when it rains down and then just goes away. The color of the rainbow, which happens, you know, after rain. Having fun in the sun. Mm-hmm. Sunny times. So, yeah, pretty much. Sunny times. <laughs> yep. A lot of weather. A lot of, okay, that, that's good to know because I thought it was just like, oh, say, what's the weather today? But we're going to teach you about alligators and, <laughs> and um, the rocks of the southern Sahara Desert. <laughs> I, I, you know, it could be, it could be anything. So I'm, I'm glad that you cleared it up because then it, um, the, the kid, the little kids who are interested in weather, I mean, it sounds like from you that anyone can enjoy this, but but knowing that if your little kid is interested in weather, then he can watch something, he or she can watch something that he enjoys. And so it becomes less of a learning experience, but it also becomes more of like, oh my gosh, I really like this, so this is awesome. Well, Mia, thank you so much for talking with us today and telling us all about the cat in the hat. Oh, say, what's the weather today? Oh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. I always like talking to you because you're so articulate. I'm not really sure if that's a word, but that's what you are. <laughs> it's available on DVD, guys, so please check it out. Let's take a break. I'm Brianna Hobiton, and you're listening listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Flight of Butterflies from Shout Factory. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hello and welcome back i'm your host keeper blakesley and we just got done talking about journey to space a wonderful documentary and also cat in the hat oh say what's the weather today well we're going to be continuing the show with kiwi 20 phonic adventures warcraft lego star wars the free maker adventures and family friendly movies at the violet crown right now i'm talking with benjamin from washington dc who is 10 years old about kiwi the 20 phonic adventures very happy to have you here benjamin 
So let's get right into it. Now, this DVD collection is about language skills. So um, what does that really mean, and what does this DVD teach us? It teaches you about how to say words and just sort of how to pronounce them and each what letter that's in the word. So it's more about how you say the words rather than how you spell them. I see. So uh, how does this collection teach kids in, a, in its own way? Well, it's very – when they show the words, they use images and pictures to make it stay in your mind and make it look more colorful so kids can remember. I see. Now, I have to say that I'm a visual learner. I don't do well with audio. I don't um, – lectures and all that. Just the information doesn't stick in my mind. I'm a visual person. I need to see pictures. I need to see how and what. And that's the best way for me to learn. So I'm glad I'm doing it. Now, this – series of episodes uses claymation for the visuals I've read. I believe claymation is a dying art and should be used more in the entertainment industry, and I'm glad they're using it in this series. So um, what do you think about the claymation in the show? I thought it was very good and it was colorful, and the clay, um, animation ends up bringing out the two main protagonists, Kiwi and Tweaky. They don't talk, but... Excuse me, Tweaky and Tweeny. They don't talk, <laughs> but the animation manages to bring their characters alive, and you start to understand their personalities and their relationships. That's interesting. When we were first learning about making short films in my classes, we had to do a short film, no dialogue whatsoever. It had to be totally visual storytelling, and that's that's what film and television is. We are visual storytellers, and in here, it looks like that's exactly what they do. No dialogue, nothing like that. It's just the visuals speak for themselves, it sounds like, and that's fantastic. So um, what do the episodes consist of? Do they consist of one episode focuses on the vowels, one episode focuses on words that start with A? I mean, how does it work? Well, it's usually they teach you words revolving around a specific topic. So one is art, and then another could be about making a film. Really? So um, what would you say was the most interesting episode that they that, that was here? My favorite episode is The Little Robot, in which Tweaky and Tweeny meet a blue robot in desperate need of energy, and they have to go to the moon to find moon rocks to power him up again. All while learning about how to pronounce words. That's interesting. What would you say makes this, besides the claymation, makes this series different from any other children's programs? I feel like there's just it has a certain tone. It's bright and it's almost kind of quirky. Quirky and bright. That is a perfect way to describe this. It's I would when I was looking up when I was researching about the Kiwi's Twenty Phonic Adventures, I was interested because it was I haven't seen anything like this in a while. I haven't seen claymation for children's program be done since Gumby. And that's untrue. There was an I Spy episode that used stop motion but claymation it looks beautiful and vibrant and we need that for children's programming so uh what would you say the age range for this show would be i give it three to six or for anyone trying to learn to read because it gets the young kids by using words and pictures to make it vibrant and to keep it in children's minds and uh how many stars would you give this series um i'd give it four out of five stars i really enjoyed it first fantastic sounds like you really did and I would definitely want to check it out, this this series. It's on DVD. Please go find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. It's a great show. What would you say, are there any last thoughts you want to talk about with this show? Well, it, I found out that it is a French series. When I watched it again, I started to notice that there were these clues from European culture. So that was fun to start spotting for clues in European culture. So when, they, when they're 
teaching how to spell coin, they actually used European money to make the letter O, which I thought was interesting. Really? Well, that's fascinating. Well, thank you very much, Benjamin, for talking about this series. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. I'm going to switch it over to Morgan, who's going to be talking about the family-friendly movies at the Violet Crown. Take it away, Morgan. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kiefer, for that lovely introduction. Right now, we are talking to Bison again about the family-friendly movies at the Violet Crown. What did you think about this? Well, I really like this series. It's showing 10 free classic movies. They're all really great family movies, and they're all dating back from... 2009 to 1939. Wow, so it's kind of like classics. I like that. Yeah. Were these actually uh, real films? Like, I know they had The Sandbox and a bunch of other things like that, but did they have shorts as well, or was this full-length films only? No, this was really all films, mostly major motion pictures, and... They actually used stop motion in one of the movies. Oh, that's really cool. Well, which one was your favorite? Because I know there's a bunch of other ones, like there's The Explorers, which I've not heard of or seen, but I'm going to be checking that out soon. They have Sandlot, which is an all-time classic about little boys who love baseball. The Little Princess, Fantastic or Mr. Fox, which I've not heard of, The Wizard of Oz, and so many others. But which one was your particular favorite? My favorite would probably be Explorers. I actually hadn't heard of it either until I found out about the film series. I think it's a great movie for the whole family. It's about a group of kids that really dream of extraterrestrial life and meeting those extraterrestrials. It was actually shot in 1985, but I thought it had really good animation. Oh, so this was an animated film? Pretty much most of it. A little bit of it was like the aliens on the in the movie. The, those were all animated, and they had a lot of flying scenes that wow, were. Wow, cool. What was your favorite scene? Well, my favorite scene is probably in a dream where the star Ethan Hawke he's flying through this animated circuit board. That I think that what it really surprised me how good the animation was for that year, but. That was probably my favorite scene in the film. Ethan Hawke is an incredible actor, and I've heard a lot about him, and he is just simply fantastic. Who was your favorite character? Probably the character played by Ethan Hawke. His name was Ben, and he's really the one, he's really a star of the movie, and he he actually dreamed of being an astronaut when he grows up. But I think he's a great actor for this film. Like, his character was very interesting and unique. Well, that's great when you have an interesting and unique character because that really brings a connection to you in the film. And I bet you had a great day because you got popcorn and movies. Was this an all-day event? Well, actually, I had to see it on Netflix because the film series at the movie theater really doesn't start till till May 31st. And I believe right now it's showing The Little Princess or A Little Princess. Oh, well, I've heard a lot about that. And that's really cool. And that's really just uh, simply amazing. Now, what would you say the age ranges for these films would be? I would say ages 9 to 18. And really, all adults would like this. All adults would like some of these films. Well, that's really cool. And how many stars would you give this event? I would give this event 5 out of 5 great stars. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. I had a pleasure talking to you. Let's take a break. I'm Morgan Brian Birch, age 11 and a half, currently in sunny California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions.
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm brianna hope beaton and you're listening to kids first coming attractions and today we have talked all about finding dory and so right now we are speaking with again 12 year old mia from colorado about finding dory now i have not yet seen this film but i really want to but i'm not sure my mom wants me to anyway so mia what did you think about this film i enjoyed this movie because i thought it was uplifting it was really relatable and i just enjoyed it a lot Mm-hmm. And from I I really wanted to go see this film, and because and not only because of Dory, and she was just a great character in Finding Nemo, but also because it was kind of the similar surroundings and and similar finding things as as Finding Nemo. So, did you think that it was um, it was too much like Finding Nemo, or did you think that it pretty much could stand on its own? Well, in my opinion, it wasn't too much like as in other movies really really are about what happened in the last couple movies they did relate dory and marlin do talk about what has happened in finding nemo a couple times but other than that there's not they introduce a lot of new characters and there's some old but it's not too too relatable to me Okay, because that, that's what I was worried about, because I thought I would go in there and be like, okay, so this is basically just Finding Nemo, except they're focusing on Dory a little bit more now. So Because yeah. if that was the case, I'd been like, well, I could have just watched Finding Nemo and just focused on Dory the whole time. Like, that, that's what basically... Yeah. But um, what about the length of this film? It's, it's not that long, and it's not that short. It's, in my opinion, a perfect length because they get everything done and without rushing it, mm-hmm. but they don't stretch it out so long. So it's just like, okay, get to the point now. Okay. Because I heard from Kiefer a few minutes ago that he said the the beginning of the film was a bit slow. Do you agree with that, or do you think that it the pacing of this film was quite nice? It was a, a little slow, mm-hmm. but it wasn't too memorable also, because I 
kind of forgot what happened in the beginning, so... <laughs> That's always great. It's like, yeah, I think, like, from the middle on, totally knew what happened. <laughs> yeah. So what do you... I mean, how do you think the writers captured this story? Because um, the, the emotion and the comedy that is well-known for Dory and the other characters, how do you think that tied into the whole storyline and, and how the actors portrayed it? How was the writing? I thought the writing was done well because it did stay true to her um, disability of her memory loss, and but it did introduce the story of her trying to find her family, and they, they kind of added up to, you know, how they've found each other mm-hmm. like I don't want to do any spoilers and so yeah it was just it made sense mm-hmm. it, it was maybe a little a little cheesy you know in the way that she kind of still remembered like still liked what she always liked as a little kid yeah and stuff like that but I liked it yeah and no, no I definitely understand what you're saying because sometimes um I'll watch not necessarily animations but children's movies in general um and I'll be like, okay, that was really cheesy. But sometimes I'll really like it that it was super cheesy. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this is great. But then yeah, sometimes yeah. it's like, eh, it didn't need to be like that. But hearing from my friends that have seen this movie and hearing from you, it doesn't seem like the cheesiness factor overplays everything. Yeah. So oftentimes I find that animated, animated characters aren't especially realistic. Like they couldn't be changed into human beings and they couldn't be portrayed. So did do you think that the characters in this film, I mean, obviously we can't become a stingray and obviously no one is going to act like a fish, but their personality, yeah, yeah their, their personalities, do you think that they could be, they honestly could be someone that you know or be someone that you could possibly meet? Or do you think that their personalities are completely, like this would only work in a in an animated movie? No, I do believe that it is more relatable, realistic, because I think Disney worked really hard on making this story more about her antagonist, like they had mentioned, is her disability, mm-hmm. and her supporting roles, Marlon, Nemo, all of her friends, they're kind of like, in if it was real life, the people who are worried about this person going out into the world, but, you know, overall, I guess they could handle it, so... No, yeah, and that's something that I really like. I mean, to put it really, really simple, there is no bad guy. To be yeah. honest, there is no bad I mean, except for her, except for her disability. But and I always love that. I always love because when I was not young, <laughs> when I say when I was younger, I mean a week ago. I watched <laughs> I watched this movie, and when sometimes when it gets to those parts where it gets very heated, and someone turns on someone or someone betrays someone, I get really freaked out, and I'm like, I can't see this, and I skip because I'm like, I I I don't know what's wrong with me, but I'm like, I can't watch that. I cannot watch that. So I'm glad that. There is no bad guy. There is there is none of that because and it really helps me because I I can't deal with <laughs> I can't deal with it not. So you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. And today we are talking all about finding Dory and we have talked about beforehand the cat in the hat oh say what's the weather today. So right now we are continue speaking with Mia about finding Dory and we were just talking about antagonist and protagonist and the whole shebang bang. So uh, would you watch it again? And 
if so, do you think that you would find the same emotions that you did the first time? I would watch it again because I did enjoy the movie a lot. And it's one of those movies that you watch and it's like, oh, that was a really good movie. But you can watch it again and still dig deeper. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, I... I thought I could do that with a movie, and then I realized that I got less of what I actually got before, like, understanding-wise. I'm like, oh, so that that was a bad idea, but <laughs> that's okay. But I, I do like movies that where you watch, and you since you already know kind of what to look out for, you focus on other things, and you're like, whoa, didn't know that that was a big message on humanity. <laughs> but um, how did you like the visual effects? Because... Seeing from the trailer, it looks like a very spectacular film in the animation and the visual effects and, and the cinematography. Yeah, I think they did a really good job with, like, the animation and everything because they really focused on little detail. Like, they focused a lot on the, po- well, in my opinion, on the pollution. Like, there would just be random scenes where there's really, I wouldn't say detailed, but you know that you notice that. And it's like, yeah. that's part of the scene. That's one of the reasons how she gets into the in the trailer, how she gets into the aquarium is because of the ring packets for the yeah. bottles. Yeah, and, and I think that's something that definitely should be in this film. And sometimes, yeah. and sometimes I you know they had little bits and pieces of it in Finding Nemo, and I, and I noticed it. Like, I, I know what you're saying. You It's not like it's the star of the scene or whatever, but it's yeah. like you notice it. And the fact that it comes back in this film... I don't know how much more or less, but it comes back in this film and notice it again. And I think that's another message that not is completely heavily played on, but it's definitely, hey, don't, you know, don't litter, don't throw things in the ocean, don't, don't do that type of stuff because even yeah. though this is a animation, this could definitely happen or, or not definitely happen, but complications are happening with the wildlife in the oceans and lakes because, you know, we throw stuff in it. So um, I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Uh, What age range do you give this film? And it just, (laughs) because the little kids are like, oh my gosh, it's a movie for me. But all the, you know, all the people that were there to see the first one are like, oh my gosh, I want to watch it too. So what do you think the age range for this film is? Well, if you haven't ever, if this was just a movie by itself, four to like, 12, 13, depending also on if you liked Finding Nemo or Funny Animations, because it was, if you liked Finding Nemo, you pretty much, in my opinion, would like this, mm-hmm. and if you like funny animated movies, you would probably like this, mm-hmm. like, I can't speak for everybody, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely understand, and do you think that if you haven't watched Finding Nemo, that you would completely understand Finding Dory, and you would still find the same pleasure out of it? I would think that you might get a little confused since they do reference some of what happened. Mm-hmm. So it'd be like, when did that happen in <laughs> their brains? I don't remember that. I don't remember that scene. So you might get a little lost, but if you focus on the non-related Finding Nemo scenes, you you pretty much get what it's based off of. Yeah, and, and which... What I hear is that it focuses on it at the beginning of of the Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. and then it kind of branches off into its own little world yeah. of Finding Dory. So that's good. So that people that haven't seen it, I mean, I I can't imagine anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> but if you haven't seen it, it's it sounds like it still be a good movie to enjoy with your family. 
Mm-hmm. I haven't um, seen it for like four years, so. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, I don't think any of us have seen it like that recently but it's like we know we know what happened and we know and and i find that on tv they're starting to play finding nemo for the people that haven't seen it or you know if you if you just watch finding dora and you want to go back to where it all began and things like that so um i thought that that was cool i love how they do that when movies come out like fast and furious 7 came out and they played a bunch of fast and furious movies and it's like whoa get into the spirit holiday spirit (laughs) yeah so, Mia, yeah, thank you so much for talking. Oh, sorry. How many stars do you give this film? I give this movie five out of five stars because it was really relatable, funny, and I enjoyed it a lot. I am glad. I, I, I really want to see this film. So I'm most likely to see this film in the next week, and I will probably love it more than I love my own life. So, Mia, yeah, thank you so much for talking to us today and telling us all about Finding Dory. Oh, thanks. You're talking to me. <laughs> yes, no, talking to me, yes. <laughs> um, it's in theaters now, guys, so please check it out. It sounds like a great film that you should see. Thanks so much for joining with us today. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Please be sure to watch our video reviews of the latest film and DVD releases and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic. Go to www.kidsfirst.org. Please be sure to check out our blog on the teen section of the Huffington Post. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media on the Voice America Kids Network. Today's show is sponsored by Flight of the Butterflies from Shout Factory. Thanks for listening. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. 